If you didn't hear, the detention and demerge final rule from the Federal Maritime Commission was released at long last, last Friday. So last week was a little bit chaotic, right, in my coverage. I'm, I'm, I apologize to anyone who listened. I mean, the, the text was 115 pages. and I think we got somewhere. I think ultimately we talked about the MTOs being part of the new scope, but it had just been released. So today I thought it might be nice to kind of take a step back and do a more simplified overview, right? The detention and demerge rulemaking final text simplified. What is going to be law come this May 28th? And did you catch that? The date changed from May 26th to May 28th. It was released on Friday by Monday morning. They had switched it. Turns out May 26th was a Sunday anyways. Did you see that? All right. Well, let's get into it. Hi, welcome to By Land and By Sea, an attorney breaking down the week in supply chain presented by the Maritime Professor, me. I'm Lauren Began, founder of the Maritime Professor and Squall Strategies, and I'm your favorite maritime attorney. <laughs> Join me every week as we walk through both ocean transport and surface transport topics in the wild world of supply chain. As always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes only. It should not be construed to be legal advice, and there is no attorney-client privilege created by this video or this podcast. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. So again, usually we go through the top three stories of the week, but today we're just going to hit it. We're just going to go straight into the simplified version of the detention to merge rulemaking. Uh, there was a lot that happened this week, but next week, I think we're going to get back to normal. We're going to start doing the top three stories of the week again, but I just want to keep these distilled, right? And so next week we'll start diving into probably some of the what do what what were some of the changes in the D and D rulemaking? What were some of the reasons for the changes or or keeping it non changes, um, even though suggestions might have suggested otherwise? We'll get into all that. We'll break it down. But this week, like I said, it's kind of a, a simplified, distilled version. So let's get into the meat and potatoes of the day. So the Federal Maritime Commission released the final rule on detention to merge billing practices, with it becoming effective May twenty eighth. 2024. It was a 90-day effective date um, from the the date that it was published in the Federal Register, which was on Friday, which was on Monday. Excuse me. The text was released last Friday. It was published in the Federal Register on Monday this week. Everything goes into effect May 28th, except contents of invoice, which is those those 13 billing requirements. Um, that's going to be Section 541, so CF uh, 46 CFR. 541.6. And that's due to pending uh, Office of Management and Budget approval, OMB. So the contents of invoice, it's, it might line up, right? It might still be the same. But what they're saying is that they can't uh, guarantee that it'll be that date. So forthcoming. But I mean, uh, those were part of some things that were included with OSRA anyways. So contents of invoice, I, I mean, I don't, that's, I don't think that's too much of a big deal. Um, this new rule defines billing practices for detention and demurrage with the main purpose of simplicity and identifying what is being billed by whom. I'm going to say that again. The commission actually put that in their text. What is being billed and by whom? 
They just wanted to distill it down. That was the intention of this rulemaking. They really wanted to get some clarity around the whole thing. So through this final rule, the FMC clarified who may be invoiced, right? That's That was kind of their what's being billed by whom. Information to be included in the invoices, right? So what is being billed? The timeline for invoicing, this is going to be, I think, one of the biggest changes. Uh, I have clients all the time telling me that they're getting bills months, years sometimes, years sometimes. Now, the timeline for invoicing, I mean, it shrinks it way up, right? We're talking about 30 calendar days. Um, And then requirements for clear invoice dispute processes. And I think that that is going to also be a very effective new thing that wasn't maybe necessarily changed when kind of everyone was changing their D&D billing practices over the summer in advance of this rulemaking coming out, kind of in anticipation of the final rule. Um, But this dispute resolution mechanisms or dispute processes that companies who issue uh, issue D&D invoices will now have to have so that they can be questioned, right? If, If something on that invoice has a maybe something's incorrect. Maybe it's just a a simple, clerical, incorrect thing. You can dispute it and say, hey, you got this wrong. And, you know, or if you're like, I, though my containers were not there during that time, dispute process, right? This will be helpful. This will help get some of those conversations started earlier instead of having the FMC and their dispute mechanism processes being the only option or, or kind of one of the only options. This kind of keeps it in a business relationship. So this dispute process. So what are the kind of the key takeaways of being of what's being changed here, right? I mean, I, I wanted to distill down really the, the themes of what's happening here. So the key takeaways, right? Clarity, clarity. We went, and I've said this before, we went from you could write 2000 bucks on, on a bar napkin with just scribbled pen, nothing else, and pass it through and say, hey, this is your demerge bill. There, there wasn't a requirement of clarity. And, and of course, nobody was doing that, but like, I don't think so, right? Maybe. Um, there, there just wasn't, it, it wasn't far off from that. I mean, maybe put it on a on a, on a legal size paper and, and put invoice and detention of merge. But I mean, same thing. It could just say 2000 bucks detention to merge. There wasn't a requirement of clarity. There weren't container numbers required. There weren't time periods required. Um, none of the the kind of general things, a due date of the invoice or who it's being sent to, right? That was one of the things the commission talked about was if it was being sent to multiple people, sometimes it was being paid by multiple people was what some of the commenters were saying. And so that invoice might be triple paid. So that the clarity, clarity is a big one timeliness. I think that is, I keep saying, that's going to be one of the largest changes for the better overall, right? Because if the intention is the fair and efficient movement of goods, that's the FMC's whole mission, right? It's the fair and efficient movement of goods. It's the fluidity of goods movements. Timeliness, right? Having a time period that this must be, that this business must be conducted, right? That the that the surcharges of a detention demerge, which under you know the the incentive principle that the FMC has adopted that Congress adopted through ASRA and put into the the CFR the regulations if if the incentivization of the movement of goods is what detention to merge is all about and i mean even just this week commissioner die at her nomination hearing uh, in the senate which that would have been one of our top 3 stories of the week so you should go watch that hearing it was over in the senate um <laughs> 
even just this week, Commissioner Dieter at her nomination hearing uh, was saying that it really is so important. That's what we're here for. Detention to merge is for the incentivization of the movement of goods. It needs to continue and encourage the movement of goods. And so this timeliness piece forces that, at least on the on the billing side of things, right? You're not going to get a bill a year later that says 2000 bucks container with no container number and D&D. Um, you won't. So now, and, and it's, there are, now it's 30 calendar days. Um, there are not 30 calendar day requirements for the invoice. There are now 30 calendar day requirements for the invoice to be issued and the dispute resolution filing and an attempted resolution to a dispute filing. So 30 days to issue the invoice, 30 days to pay the invoice or file a dispute. And then there's a 30 calendar days. And remember, this is our, these are all calendar days. Another 30 calendar days for an attempted resolution to the dispute filing. I mean, they're, they're, the FMC didn't say, look, you have to always have it wrapped up. But they said you have to attempt to dispute, to, to, um, to, to solve it. Because that was another complaint that was seen in the comments was that sometimes there might be an email to nowhere or a telephone line to nowhere. And, having, and, and how do you kind of force that side of things? So having an attempted resolution of dispute filing to also be required on a 30-day um, calendar day requirement kind of helps with that, right? And the, the another another kind of key theme here, the emphasis on the direct contractual relationship. This was something that they kept talking about. They wanted to make sure that these invoices were only being issued to the person who knew it best. So the FMC really kept with that direct contractual relationship or consignee, they said, or, or ultimate receiver of the goods. But the only, only that direct contractual relationship could be sent the invoice. Um, truckers have been talking about this a lot. Drage providers have been talking about this a lot because now they're not required to pay. They didn't know what the terms of the contracts were, right? How could they dispute it? And that's what the FMC was saying. How could they dispute it if they didn't know what the terms were for the detention to merge? If, if they said, well, you told me five free days and you only wrote three free days. The, the drainage providers maybe didn't know that. And so who would? The direct contractual relationship. And that's what the FMC's point here was by having it required that who's on the hook for the bill, the directly contractual relationship person, the people who knew the negotiated contract. Anybody can pay. The truckers can still pay for it. But who's being sent the invoice? Only the person who knows it best. So like I said, today was just kind of to go over the highlights. So what what's in the new rule, right? What's in the new rule? Effective May 28th, the purpose, it establishes minimum information that must be included on or with demerge and detention invoices, right? So very, very basic. It's it's establishing this minimum information. It's creating some clarity. The scope. Now, this is what we talked about last week. This is what we're going to continue to kind of break down, but it includes ocean common carriers, of course, marine terminal operators. That was the big question. We didn't know if MTOs were going to be included. They are. Or NVOCCs, uh, non-vessel operating common carriers, does not govern billing relationships, though, between ocean common carriers and MTOs on that scope, right? So what the FMC said was that they are going to kind of rely on that commercial relationship um, between the ocean common carriers and the MTOs for those billing relationships. So this rule doesn't cover that. Uh, definitions. It defines divergent detention as any charges, including per diem charges, assessed by ocean common carriers, MTOs, or NVOCCs related to the use of marine terminal space. And uh, for example, land, because they wanted to capture that through bill of lading. So 
it'll be interesting to see how this gets interpreted and brought into kind of operational sense because there were a lot of questions throughout this whole process on does this cover rail yards? They're saying marine terminal space, for example, land. And I don't know if that's kind of a nod toward the inland side or if that's just a nod toward, okay, obviously the the yard is land. Um, That'll be interesting to see if, if where, where that is, but there was some discussion about a through bill of lading and, and capturing that. Um, So continuing on with the definition, MVOCC is related to the use of marine terminal space, example, land or shipping containers, but not including freight charges. So um, that's what they said. Demergent tension is. Properly issued invoice, direct contractual relationship for properly issued invoices. And they added a consignee when ultimate recipient of cargo or final delivery. So those are the only that's the only person who is responsible for this bill, the direct contractual relationship for properly issued invoices. Added the consignee. Timeline. So the billing party must issue within 30 calendar days. They have to issue this invoice within 30 calendar days from the last date of demerge or detention. So if it's an NVOCC, this is this is kind of this is kind of a, a, a interesting little switch that the FMC kind of nodded toward. So if the NVOCC, if it's the NVOCC, they must issue within 30 calendar days from when they received it. Because right, because sometimes the NVOCC might be receiving the invoice, but then also passing it through. So they have 30 days to receive it, and then they have another 30 calendar days from the issuance date of the invoice received. Um, and then at least 30 calendar days must be allowed from ish- invoice issuance for dispute. So at least 30 calendar days allowed from invoice issuance for disputes. Disputes must be attempted to be resolved within 30 calendar days of receipt. This keeps it simple. At some point in the comments, they were talking about 60, 90. This keeps it simple that, look, 30 calendar day chunks. That's what we're sticking to. And, mo- and actually, at the um, notice of proposed rulemaking stage, so the last stage uh, from last December 2022, uh, 13, 14, oh gosh, it's March, 14 months ago, I suppose, um, what they were saying was that most of the commenters were saying, look, 30 days is no big deal. That's fine. We can make that happen. Most bills happen within that time. Um, there were a few concerns saying, look, our systems aren't ready for this. And that's partly why the FMC gave 90 days. Um, also, it's not like this 30 day was a surprise because we've been talking about it now for about 14 months, at least, um, beyond that. Um, and, and quite a few people have already kind of started to make those changes in their systems. But if you haven't, Definitely do that. This is going to be the rule um, come come May. So uh, it's effective upon. So the next part, this is the part that's effective upon OMB approval. So this is the part that's not effective May twenty eighth, but will be effective upon OMB approval. And this is the D and D invoice um, contents, right? So it's the identifying information. So the bill of lading, the container number, ports of discharge for imports. Um, the basis for why the build party is the proper party. Uh, we have timing information. So the invoice date, the invoice due date, uh, the allowed free time and days and start and end dates of free time, container availability for imports, the earliest return date for exports and specific dates for when D&D were actually charged. So at one point there was some discussion over, well, tell us the dates that aren't included, like give us the whole whole chunk and then tell us the dates that aren't included within. Like that was going to be too complicated. So the FMC said, look, 
if it goes like Monday to Wednesday and then it wasn't Thursday, then just write that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, you know, or well, I shouldn't say the weekends, right? Um, that's still kind of up and that's still being talked about. That's the evergreen case. But um, basically, that's what they said. Look, chunk it up. Let's just show me the dates that, it, that it's effective for. And part of why they wanted to do that was just for the clarity, right? They wanted to keep it simple. They wanted to also make it something that you could follow the paper trail, follow, check your work. And so that's part of that timing information is so that the invoice recipient can look at it, do the math themselves, make sure that it all lines up with their data and what they have on their records, and that they can say, yep. They got that right. Those are those are the D and D uh, charges. Those were the dates. Um, I see the rate here clearly, and and I agree with the the final invoice amount. Um, so that's that's the next part, right? Rate information. So the total amount due, obviously, uh, the applicable D and D rule. So where in the tariff or the schedule or the service contract, what rule are we pulling from for this amount? Um, and specific rates for the applicable tariff rule or service contract, right? So what was the actual rule that was being, what was the actual rate being used in that D&D rule? Dispute information. This is a big one. This is a new thing. Um, I think it was probably partially a practice previously, but now it's going to be required. So dispute information. So contact info for dispute requests. And this was that telephone number to nowhere, email address to nowhere. I've, I've heard that a few times. Um, not everybody, right? But there were a few times when they said they just couldn't get a hold of anybody because we kept calling and emailing and nobody got a hold of us. So contact info for dispute resolu- for dispute requests, publicly accessible website showing detailed description of info or documentation for dispute requests. So if you are one of those issuing invoice people, you need to have on your website what do you need? What documentation do you need if somebody wants to um, dispute one of your invoices? So that needs to be on the website, right? Detailed description of the info or documentation that's required for dispute request. And then define timelines for dispute requests, right? So that was also included. And and, um, I think that this, this dispute request thing is going to be uh, important and, and hopefully potentially take some loads off of the FMC. We we have the charge complaints process for sure, um, but this will hopefully kind of keep it in that business relationship side of things, which I think would be good, obviously. Um, but I think that that's going to be a, a helpful thing so that people feel like they have a voice with their, with their business partners. Um, and the 30 days for attempted dispute resolution, that's going to be a big one too. So certifications, this got included. I don't know how I feel about the certifications, right? I think that this is a little bit of, it's fine. Um, So invoices must include a statement that charges are consistent with FMC rules on detention to merge. Fine, right? It has to include a statement that says these charges are consistent with FMC rules on detention to merge. Uh, Okay. So there's the certification. Um, And then also a billing party's performance did not cause or contribute to underlying invoice charges. Previously, that said the Ocean Common Carrier or whatever it said, um, it it basically was saying that the common carrier's performance did not cause or contribute. My big question was, well, it's not always the common carrier issuing these. So uh, if if you're saying, well, the Ocean Common Carrier's performance did not cause or contribute, but you're the MTO issuing it, it's like, why are you letting them off the hook when I'm the one... So I, I like that they changed it to billing parties. Performance did not cause or contribute to underlying invoice charges. Um, but still, I mean, I don't know. These certifications, I mean, if you write that on there, it's not like, I don't know. It's, it's not like it's automatically true. Maybe they just wanted people to have that pause of, 
making sure that they put it on there so that you feel a little guilty or, or you somehow like it, it checks you. Uh, but that's fine. Certifications, right? So invoices must include a statement that the charges are consistent with FMC rules and that the billing party's performance did not cause or contribute to underlying invoice charges. So that's the highlights, right? Those are the overview. That's what's in this text. If you want to just quickly see not all the discussion about what's happening next, but what's happening next, what the language of the law will be, what will be the new reg of part 540, go to the last four pages, right? The whole rule is about 115 pages. If you go to the last four, maybe five pages, you can see the rule very clearly. It's it's completely written out of what the text will say. You can go you can fast forward through all that other stuff. It's important. The other stuff is important. It's a, it's justification. It's it's discussion. It's why did we take this comment? We're going to take that comment under consideration. We're going to see how this rule goes and maybe make some modifications come in the future. Um, we're going to see how case law interprets this. I mean, the FMC talks about a lot of different things in those 110 pages, but the last five pages or so are really just the, the, the simple law of the text. So if you want to go check out what does this rule, without all the discussion, but what will this rule require? Go check out those last five pages. But as always, this is not legal advice. This is provided simply for general and educational purposes. If you need an attorney, contact an attorney. And also, accuracy and direct application should be confirmed independently, right? You need to go check anything that I'm saying. Go check to see how it applies to you, right? Because there's going to be a little bit of a nuance depending on your role in the in the supply chain ecosystem, as, as Commissioner Dye always calls it, the ecosystem. That's the highlight. Those That's the overview. That's the simple podcast for today. So as always, the guidance here is general and for educational purposes. It should not be construed to be legal advice directly related to your matter. You need an attorney, contact an attorney. But if you have specific legal questions, feel free to reach out to me at my legal company, Skull Strategies. Otherwise, for the non-legal questions, the e-learning and general industry information and insights, the webinars of what this rule means, I have been asked to do quite a few of those. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to provide uh, webinars for, for your em employees and just general overview. Um, come find me at the Maritime Professor. That's something that we do there. The, the industry training, that's what we do with the Maritime Professor. Happy to do it. I'm putting together those e-courses that I talked about forever ago, and then I went and had a baby. So now we're putting the e-courses together again. So if you like these videos, let me know. Comment, like, and share. If you want to listen to these episodes on demand, or if you missed any previous episodes, check out the podcast by Landon by C. If you prefer to see the video, they live on my YouTube page, My Landed by Sea, presented by the Maritime Professor. And while you're at it, check out our website, The Maritime Professor. The e-courses are coming. I've I've jumped back into them. I'm excited about it. I, I am going to be putting together a detention and merge e-course. So keep an eye out for it. But go over to themaritimeprofessor.com, sign up for the web, the email list. Uh, I don't send out a newsletter on there, but I will let you know when the courses drop and, and start getting more active. So until the next week, this is Lauren Began, the Maritime Professor, and you've just listened to By Land and By Sea. And if you're at TPM this week, have a great time. All right. See you next time.